I would like to uh, let you know that um, this Sunday I will be preaching particularly on applying the promises of God, how to apply the promises of God. In our service review last Sunday, uh, as I spoke on faith, I was uh, suggested that this would be a very good thing in line with the last Sunday's message because um, a lot of people abuse the promises of God and they have no understanding how to rightly apply the promises of God. In fact, we have a day of selecting your promises in many churches, which I think is very unbiblical. And today we will be looking at how careful we need to be in applying the promises of God. Let us all look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning as a blood-bought community of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you so much for our beloved Savior. And today we thank you for the wonderful promises that we find and also apply from your Holy Scripture. We thank you that you are the God of encouragement and gives us hope and you are the God of faithfulness. And we thank you for every promise in the Holy Bible. And we pray that you open the eyes of our heart to learn, understand and apply rightly the promises of God. And we pray that you lead us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be attentive and listen carefully. Do not let the enemy distract our minds. And we pray that you please be in control of the entire minds and hearts and the message. And we pray that your name be glorified and you exalt the authority of your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's message is more topical then uh, expositional, we have finished uh, 11 chapters from the book of Hebrews. And today we will be just looking at the promises. How to rightly apply the promises of God. Now, one of the things that we find in the Holy Bible is the promises. Bible is replete, full of commandments and also of the promises of God. And uh, when we look at these promises, what we understand is that the promises of God speak about God's faithfulness. Although some promises may not be applicable to us, but one thing we can understand is that, that God is faithful and loving and caring. And another interesting thing that we also see when we observe the promises of God is that it gives us great hope and encouragement in our afflictions, isn't it? When people go through difficult times, they go to the promises and get assurance and comfort. For example, we say in Psalm 119 verse 50, the psalmist exclaims here, this is my comfort in affliction. And what is it? That your promise gives me life. My comfort in affliction is that your promises gives me life. But one thing that I would like to caution you because of which we have this message is that as much as we can receive hope and find encouragement, when we look at the promises of God, what we also see is that the promises of God can be misunderstood and misapplied to our own discouragement. And sometimes to our own detriment. 
There is a danger of how we apply the promises of God. Here is a caution that if the promises of God in the Holy Scripture are not rightly understood and applied, the crafty devil may use them to deceive you. The crafty devil may use them to deceive you. In fact, on the mount, when Jesus faced the temptation from the devil, the enemy used the promises to deceive Jesus. Do you know that? It is a promise that you took to deceive the very God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 5 and the following. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, 5 and the following. Hear me carefully as I read this for you. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And in verse 6 it says, And said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. If you are the Son of God, cast yourself from the top of this mount, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. And this promise is cited from Psalm 91 from verses 11 to 12. If you fall from the top of this pinnacle, the angels come and protect you and keep you from harm. Because there is a promise here that there will be no harm coming to you. But actually, that's an abuse of the promise of God. And uh, we see the devil has used this promise to, in, his, in his attempt to deceive Jesus. And of course, Jesus was not deceived. Imagine if the Lord Jesus was about to be deceived or faced the deception of the enemy. Imagine the condition of the believers today. How the enemy can deceive the believers using the promises that are there in the Bible so that he can cause them to misunderstand and misapply to their own discouragement. And that's the reason we have to know how to rightly apply the promises of God. There are a few factors that I would like to share with you about how to apply the promises of God. And when you look at a promise, you need to ask these questions very carefully. And the first factor that I would like to let you know how to apply the promises of God is this. Are the promises given to specific individuals only? Are the promises given only to specific individuals, not to all people? Now here is the song that is famous Perhaps in the Sunday school. And just think about this. Is this song true? And this is how the song goes. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, and every line. All the blessings of his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Is it true? Is it true that every promise in the Bible belongs to you we need to think about it and i'm sorry to say it is wrong for example in genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 this is a promise given to abraham and you ask this question does it apply to you 
Here it says in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Now the Lord said to Abraham, What did he say? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. There is a command here. And I will make you a great nation. This promise has been given to Abraham that I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. Does this apply to you? That the Lord will make you a great nation? And you will become a father or a mother of all the nations? You should think about this. And I will bless you and make your name great. Wow, what a great promise. Make your name great. So Sam, the Lord is promising you that he will make your name great. And win it, you will be a father of many nations. Is it true? No, this is not given to all people. And he says here that I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you. If you bless those people, they will be blessed. If you curse them, you will be, they will be cursed. Now there are some people who say that. Be careful what you speak. If you bless, they will be blessed. If you curse, they will be cursed. If that is the true thing, mm, there will be either many widowers or widows in the families. Because uh, we see how many people curse each other, and uh, which is a very sad thing. But that is not true. The cursing and the blessing that you do doesn't apply to every individual it was given only to Abraham. But some people, particularly the prosperity preachers, what they do is they take some people to understand the scripture in a wrong way to convince you that Abrahamic promises apply to you. And they try to get into the entirety of it. For example, we see in Galatians chapter 3 verse 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Do you see this? It's very convincing, right? The scripture says that if you have faith, you are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. If Abraham becomes a great nation, you can also become a great nation. If Abraham blesses, you can also bless. If Abraham curses, you can curse. If Abraham prospers, you can also prosper because the Bible says that those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham. That is not what Paul meant. When he said this, in the same chapter, right after mentioning his verse 9, this is what Paul meant. What did he mean when he said that you are also blessed along with Abraham? How are you blessed? In verse 13 it says, hear carefully, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, those who believe in Christ... The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. Because Abraham was a Jew and all his descendants were Jews. And the promise doesn't just belong to Abraham and his descendants, Jewish people. But even Gentiles can receive this promise by repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That he died for their sins and rose from the dead. But what is the blessing that they will receive? Here it says that, so that... We might receive the promised spirit through faith. What kind of promise is he speaking about? That we are co-heirs with Abraham. He speaks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We receive the spirit of God and we become the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, Stand to Reason is known to be one of the apologetics ministries 
in our present day generation and its founder Greg Kaukul makes a very interesting point about how we observe and apply the promises. He said that if you are claiming a promise, you want to be careful that you don't take someone else's promise and bank your hopes on something that doesn't belong to you. Be careful of taking individual promises given to specific individuals and bank your hopes on that and bound God to fulfill it when that's not what he meant when he made the promise. Be careful of that. I'm giving only one example because of time constraint and we can go to the next factor. We need to examine that. Is this promise given to individuals? And second... Are the promises covenant bound to a nation? Now here is where we see almost all prosperity preachers and teachers including non-prosperity people bank on this because they don't understand the difference of covenant bond promise given to a nation. Right? And you can call that, this can be national promise also. For example, I can show you a couple of verses how people abuse when they are covenant-born promise. That is, God makes a covenant with the people of Israel, entire Israel, that if you follow my law, this is a covenant I am making with you, that this is what I am going to do for you. For example, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, it is a chapter, if, if possible, go to your home and read Deuteronomy chapter 28, which chapter is known as chapter of blessings and curses based on the covenant God makes. And he says in verse 1, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. If you see one of the promise cards, you know how it goes? The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. There is nothing said about if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, which even Israel could not do. And God makes the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 33. I'm making a new covenant because you failed to keep the old covenant. And today modern day believers being in the new covenant, they want to go back to the old covenant and claim that promise. When it doesn't apply to them. Do you know that Israel themselves fail to keep the covenant because of this? Instead of the blessings, they received curse. But people still go back to that. We see in verse 3, God says the blessings on the field. We see in verse 4, blessings on the cattle. We see in verse 5, blessings of victory over the enemies. And if you don't obey me, enemies will conquer you. And in verse 11, we see blessings of prosperity. It's a covenant God makes with the people of Israel. If you keep my commandments, I will prosper you. And you see in verse 13, what he says. And this is very famous promise card that you find on January 1st in many churches. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. They remove the head from the verse in the promise, which is if you carefully obey and keep the tail only there, the promise, the commandment is removed. That's how people are deceived. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, you won't see this in the promise card, by the way. This is completely discarded, which I command you today, being careful to do them. Now, God makes a covenant here if you obey. I will prosper you. 
and that is what he says to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 28, same chapter, verse 15, it says about the curses. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes and that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you if you don't obey my commandments. And some of them we see in verse 58, if you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions. Afflictions severe and lasting and sicknesses grievous and lasting. Now this is also a promise, you know that? (laughs) People think promise means only blessings. There is a promise of curse. If you don't keep my commandments, God will curse. And people, this is not spoken to the church. Please understand. This is not spoken to the new covenant people. This was spoken to the people of Israel who came out of the bondage of Egypt and God was forming them a nation and he gave them the law by which they had to live and if they don't keep it, these blessings will come upon them if they keep it and these curses will come upon them if they don't keep it. Now, this is what the Lord encourages them to be careful. Now, this doesn't mean that OT promises do not apply to us at all. Just because it is given to the people of Israel. For example, I will show you uh, maybe two scriptures in order for you to know that OD promises also apply to us and the New Testament authors apply to us. For example, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God and God said, I will make my dwelling. Now God said, he's quoting the Old Testament promise. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Leviticus 26, 11 to 12, Ezekiel 37, 27. Now, this is a promise from the Old Testament. I'm not saying that none of the promise apply to us today. In that case, we don't have to read Old Testament. But no, that's not the case. But we should be careful which promise apply to us and which promise doesn't apply to us. Hebrews 13.5, we see another Old Testament promise applied to New Covenant believers. We see that in Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, what did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where do we find that? This promise has been given to Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It is not money you need. You need God who is the greatest treasure of all things in the world. And then he says that in verse 6. So we can confidently say another citation from Psalm 118 verse 6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? There is a promise. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's why I say that we should be careful which promise applies to us, which promise doesn't apply to us. Not all promises, especially in the Old Testament, apply to us. Most of the promises that we see are covenant-bond promises which the Israel should keep in order for those promises to be fulfilled or else curse will come upon them. 
And that is what has happened to them in the history of Israel. But one thing that we can see is that we will learn here and we are learning now how to apply these promises carefully, which is the message of this sermon. Now, here is an observation that I would like to tell you, which is important. Though some promises are given only to individuals and also covenant drawn promises that we see given to a nation, we can still learn some lessons from them. Although those promises may not be applicable to us, we can still learn some lessons. For example, we can learn about God's character and his works. You can see how God was active in the life of Abraham. Now, when I look at Abraham, one thing greatly encourages me is that when God told him that I will make you a father of great nation, uh, many nations, Abraham never saw that in his lifetime. God might have forgotten it easily. I made to Abraham. No one knows about it. Just take it easy. No. Abraham wasn't there to see its fulfillment, but God was faithful in keeping the promise that he has given to Abraham. That even after centuries, God remembered and he fulfilled the promise given to Abraham and he made him the father of many nations. Now what that encourages me is that if God is faithful to Abraham, if God is a God who gives the word and never fails, the promises that he makes to me now in the new covenant, God is faithful to fulfill them and I can trust in his faithfulness. So just because some of the promises doesn't apply to us doesn't mean that we cannot learn anything from them. We can learn about God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's unfailing promise. We can still learn the teachers, the characters, the rebukers. They train us in righteousness because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture has been given for that purpose. Now the third factor, the first is that, is this promise given to individuals? Or second, is this covenant bond promise given to a nation? Third is this, are the promises universal or absolute, absolute promises? Not absolute, absolute promises. Are these promises absolute, universal, completely applicable to new covenant believers? For example, from the Old Testament, we see Psalm 55 verse 22 which is repeated by Peter, even in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. You see what it says. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. That is a beautiful promise. And this is a universal promise. All believers are called to cast their burden on the Lord. You cannot carry the burdens of your life by yourself. Trust in the Lord. Depend on the Lord. And you cast your burdens on him, for he is all-powerful and he is able to sustain us. This is an universal promise. In all generations, for all people who believe in the Lord Jesus, this is applicable to us. And more than any promise, this is the greatest promise that I see in the Bible. Because without this, we are doomed to eternal destruction. And many people don't see the value of it. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins... And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a great, absolute, complete, confident, assured, universal promise that we have. That we can cling to. So you need to examine when the promise is made. Is this a universal promise? And this promise is universal because it is written to believers. And believers throughout the centuries found great joy and hope 
in these promises. The fourth factor is this. The fourth factor, which is very important for us to understand. The fourth is, are the promises conditional? Are the promises conditional? You know, the technical word is called unilateral and bilateral. Unilateral means you, you don't do anything, God does it. And that happened only in salvation. You didn't ask God to send your son so that he can die for me. No one asked. But God sent his only begotten son. But most of the promises in the Bible are bilateral. That is, if you do this, you will experience it. Okay? And many, many people don't apply the conditions. They only want the promise to be fulfilled. And that's a dangerous way to experience the promises of God. For example, we see, I can show you many scriptures, but due to time constraint, I would like to show you one passage from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Now hear this carefully. It says here, do not be anxious about anything. The commandment. There are two commandments here, okay? The negative commandment and the positive commandment. The negative commandment is, do not be anxious about anything. It's a commandment, people. Because if you're anxious, you're not trusting in God. You're carrying your own burdens. You're not throwing on the one who carries you. And the positive commandment, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You pray in everything. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to cry, you don't have to pour your heart. You can do that. But you can do that by trusting in God and by pouring your supplications before Him. And now what is the promise when you do this? When you are not anxious. Now hear carefully, there are Christians who pray, but they are anxious. They are anxious and they pray. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. The Bible tells that it's a command. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything means anything. In everything, pray. In nothing, be anxious. In everything, pray. In nothing, be anxious. If you're anxious, you are harming your own emotional, mental, and soul state. And when you do that, and the peace of God... It is not peace of any man. The very God of peace will give you his peace which surpasses all understanding which means you cannot understand how great this peace is which rarely Christians experience today will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is a promise. But how this promise? Why is it that so many Christians don't experience? I don't have peace. I believed in Christ. You know, there is a justification faith. Which says in Romans 5.1, through faith we are justified before God and we receive peace. That is, we are at peace with God. That is a justification faith. But sanctification faith is different from justification faith. We may have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, but we may not have peace from God in our daily Christian life because we do not obey the command not to be anxious in anything, but to pray in everything. So, there is a condition here that we need to understand. 
Even the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, do you remember that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all that you need will be added unto you. But if you seek everything, you lose the kingdom and righteousness, even everything also. <laughs> but people are not conscious. There is one promise that I would like to let you know here. Well, in Philippines, in the same book, which many people know this, right? In verse 19, what do they know? And my God shall supply all your needs. But do you know that it is a blessing because of their obedience? I'll show you one. You see that from verse 14 to understand within the context. Philippians 4, 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. Which means the Philippians were financially helping Paul and they were generous towards him. And he says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And now he says in verse 18, I have received full payment and more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you send, a fragrant offering, a sacrificial, acceptable, and pleasing to God. Do you see that? How generous these Philippian believers were in giving and blessing Paul in his ministry. And because of that, Paul pronounces a blessing in verse 19. And you see in the houses. What is houses? You see the placard, right? The quotation, and my God, these are selfish, miser, ungenerous Christians hanging this scripture on the wall. And my God shall supply all your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Discarding completely from the context what Paul pronounced upon him. What it shows is that when believers are generous. Now to be generous you need to work and have money or else you have to beg money from others. Right? Rather than being a blessing you will be a burden and a curse. Bible says that you have to work, earn, and be a blessing. You know, one of the great joys every month is that I bless so many people. How? Because I work, and I earn, and I give away, and be a blessing to many people. And I know this promise applies to me when believers are generous. And the promise is when you are generous with your money, with your positions, my God shall supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we need to be careful about the conditions. The fifth factor is this. Are the promises understood comprehensively? Now here is something that is very important. Comprehensively means you are not isolating one verse and coming to conclusion about the promise not looking at the broader context of what the Bible speaks about that particular promise. We need to have a comprehensive understanding about a promise when you claim it or else you may misapply. For example, I will show you how this is misunderstood because it is taken in isolation. John chapter 14 verse 13 to 14. John chapter 14 verse 13 to 14. Whatever you ask in my name... This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. 
What a greed-triggering promise this can become. Ask anything. You want a mansion? Ask. If you want it, if you want BMW, ask. If you want great promotion, ask. God will give you so that Father would be glorified. This can be abused if you take it in isolation. But if you stretch it in the broader context and see how much more the Bible speaks about when you ask anything. Right after chapter 14, in chapter 15, verse 7, the Lord said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, when you abide in Jesus, when, you, when your heart is filled with God's will, God's word, what will you ask? According to his will. <laughs> Isn't it? Jesus said that, abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish. But there are people who just cling on to John 14. They don't abide in Jesus. They don't let the words of Christ abide in them. And they ask whatever they wish. Claiming this promise. Which can be deceived. We need to understand the promise. Comprehensively. Let us go more further. The same John. Who wrote John chapter 14 and 15. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 to 15. You see what he says here. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will. What? He says here in 14, ask whatever you wish. And here it says the same John, ask whatever you wish according to his will. He hears us. And if you know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So the Bible does just doesn't give an ironclad promise, mindless promises, purposeless promises to people. Ask anything and God will give you. No, not. You can come to conclusion in isolation. The Bible also says when it says that you need to abide in Christ. His word should abide in you. Ask according to his will and everything will be given unto you. So be careful. For example, there is another verse that I would like to tell you, which can be uh, abused in isolation. I'm saying this because it carries a lot of weight in our present day time. For example, Matthew 7, 7. People can take it in isolation, right? It says, ask and and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? People just take this and say, Jesus said, ask. Just ask whatever. It will be given to you. Knock. And you should listen the way prosperity preachers preach. You would be at the door of God, banging the door of heaven to give anything because that's how they preach. But what they don't do is that they don't see the scripture comprehensively. Because the same, uh, in the the gospels of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew gave one inside and Luke stretches. And you will find commonly when you read uh, Matthew and Luke, especially you see the Sermon on the Mount given by Matthew account and also by Luke account, you see how they complement each other by adding more information. For example, we see in Luke chapter 11 verse 9, the same words. You see what he says. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more with the heavenly father gave the holy spirit to those who ask him matthew didn't mention it luke mentions it so when jesus said that keep asking keep knocking keep keep seeking he meant the holy spirit lord fill me more with the presence and the power of the holy spirit he is not speaking about asking any material thing you need or whatever dreams and wishes you have and god will fulfill it that is that may be the god of the pagans he is more like a genie ask whatever he gives no god of the holy bible is a god of holiness and one target god has to crucify yourself so that you can be filled with the glory of the lord fear of god beloved god not live a self-centered life but a god-centered life and the greatest need of our lives and the greatest petition you can make is this lord i need you more than anything that is the greatest expression that you can ask god okay sixth one we'll see that sixth factor are they general principles or absolute promises now it is important that we should understand general principles okay now hear this carefully do not confuse principles with promises do not confuse principles which are general truths with promises like for example we see proverbs 10:22 the blessing of the lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it now there are two things that we need to understand it is spoken to the people in the old covenant whose covenant was to keep the law of the lord so that god will prosper them it is to those people generally it is said that the blessing of the lord makes you rich and he adds no sorrow to it but you need to understand that proverbs also says that at the beginning the fear of god is the beginning of so when you fear god when you walk in the ways of god this is what you experience that is exactly what god said in deuteronomy chapter 28 these are general truths that the bible proclaims but if you look at the prosperity preachers today do you believe this is the word of god people say yes do you know that what the bible says the blessing of the lord makes you rich is it god's will to make you rich yes then why are you not rich because you don't have faith you don't trust in the promises of god these people abuse that they these are general principles now for example we see even 22 verse 6 which is a general truth not an absolute promise train up a child in the way you should go even when he is old he will not depart from it oh really if you bring up the child in the way of god and you will never depart from it which means every son or a daughter in a christian family if you train them they will never go away so john piper is a failure because his son abraham piper has become an atheist and he did not do a good job or many people today we see that good believers who prayed for their children taught their children today they are not with the lord this is not speaking about absolute promise this is a general principle that if you do that 
this will happen but this is not an absolute promise and you don't have to blame yourself and condemn others when the children don't walk with the lord because of this for example we see psalm 113 verse 9 psalm 113 verse 9 god gives the barren woman a home making her the joyous mother of children praise the lord so there should not be any barren woman in christian faith right if they are, then the Lord is not giving it. Is this an absolute promise? No. This is a general truth. The Bible says that when, she, when, when a woman is blessed, it is the Lord who gives. It doesn't mean that when a woman is barren, God's curse is upon the woman. No. But this is the nation that we live in. We think that even in the past it was saw that if you are barren, there is some sin in you. God is not blessing you. God is a God who gives children. But this is not an absolute promise. This is a general truth the Bible exclaims. And here we see that absolute promise. Hebrews 4.16, you can cling on to. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is an absolute promise in your moral weakness. God is there to help you and guide you and strengthen you. Okay, now let's come to the seventh, the last two factors. Seventh factor about how to apply the promises of God. And the seventh is this. Have you understood the promise contextually? Have you understood the promise? Now hear this carefully people. The Bible promises are given in a specific context at a specific time for specific people. Some of them applies to all people. Some of them do not apply to all people. We need to examine the historical, cultural and textual context. When you read the promise. For example, I'll tell you that. How, how, how great is this promise? In uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Very famous promise. Right? Everywhere you see that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now this is a, one of the strong promises people cling on to. You ask them this question. Do you know the context in which it is said? I challenge you, you go and ask people. Almost every person says, I don't know. You know what is the context? The context is that God's judgment, if you read, you need to read chapter 28 and 29 before reading verse 11. The context is that, I told you, right, in, Jeremiah, in Deuteronomy 28, covenant bond promise. What is that? If you obey my commandments, all the blessings will come upon you. If you do not walk in my ways, the curse will come upon you. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, one of the curses is that the foreign nation will come and conquer you afflict you severely and take you as captives into their nation. That is exactly what has happened to the nation of Israel because of their sin against the Lord and this Babylon came to conquer them. So they were not willing to go. They were not willing to go to exile. 
they were not willing to allow babylon to conquer them in fact there were false prophets and uh, false prophecies that you see when you read jeremiah 29 will be telling that god will protect you god will guard you god will fight against you he will not let babylon prevail against you and they were giving false promises and jeremiah was very angry and one hananiah if you see the chapter he dies because he gives a false promise of prosperity when there is affliction so what the lord was telling him is this because of the sin i am sending this judgment on you go as captives go as captives to babylon pray for the nation cultivate crops settle after 70 years of judgment and discipline in this nation babylon i will bring you back again to jerusalem back to this promised land in that context he says i know the plans i have for you now you are going through discipline judgment but i know what do i know i want you to i want to bring you back from captivity to the promised land plans for welfare this is a judgment this is a discipline this is not to cause evil to you for example you see in verse 8 11 you have read right now let us read from verse 8 so that you can understand for thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name i did not send them declares the lord for thus says the lord when 70 years are completed for babylon i will visit you and i will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place now you see in continuation verse 11 for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and i will hear you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart Exactly this is what Daniel did if you read Daniel Daniel reminds God of the promise he made of 70 years now he says Lord remember your promise and take your people to Jerusalem the promised land Now how does this apply to you today You know how Hebrews 12 says that it is for good that God disciplines you so that he can reap harvest of righteousness it is not a it is not speaking about prosperity material prosperity here promotion health wealth and all those things it is when god disciplines you because of your sin he does it for your good bear it bear the cross endure the discipline god is a god who doesn't harm his children but always does good now You need to understand that this promise is not given to individual. Do you know that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? It was given to the whole nation Israel, and today people take it out of context. And me sitting in dynamic scholarly, Stephen David read this and apply it personally to myself. When it was given to the whole nation, the promise is given as a hope and encouragement to the people who were under the judgment of God. if you don't see this in the context this is how you misapply so be careful of those youtube stupid preachers who cut every chop every verse from the bible and deceive people in fact i say that i don't listen to youtube i, I listen only to washer or sproul and sometimes when i look at when i open 
you know the you know the great ministry in chennai and all these people and when you open the channel he said this is a month of promise this is a day of blessings upon you and lord you bless these people how what i mean every time you open this is how they speak and people gullible people they get excited oh god is going bible says in ephesians you are blessed with every blessing in the lord jesus christ Read Ephesians when every blessing God has already given you, but there is a blessing that we are hoping that is a promise of eternal life, and this brings me to my last factor of how to apply the promises of the Bible. Now, hear carefully, brothers and sisters. The last is this. Now, last doesn't mean that you don't have anything to learn than what I teach. I say the last in my message, but there may be wonderful things you can learn from other faithful Bible teachers and preachers. He says here that uh, what the point is here eighth is this: Are the promises present enjoyment or future fulfillment? Now I believe in healing people. I really believe that I will be fully healthy, but the day will not be here. <laughs> the day will be in the kingdom of heaven. Are the promises present enjoyment or full or future fulfillment? For example, Matthew five five. What does it say? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Some people have taken this and they said that we have to conquer the whole earth, because the promise of the Bible is that we shall inherit the earth. So we Christians should be in all the top positions of the world. Good that Christians should be. There is nothing wrong with that. But this is not what the Scripture says here. that you need to conquer every area of the world and inherit the earth because the bible says blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth what it says here and i will show you another scripture to support my point if you are meek here there will come a time in the new heavens and the new earth where you shall inherit the earth in order to support my point i will show you revelation 5 9 to 10 That is exactly revelation five nine to ten says. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, Jesus, by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. When? <laughs> when the lamp of god opens a scroll and when we enter into the new heavens and the new earth and along with christ we shall reign on the earth the earth is going to perish that's what the bible says but the new heavens and the new earth is coming where only the children of god bought by the blood of christ will reign and that is what the lord jesus said here blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth that is the promise for future fulfillment and also matthew chapter 5 verse 4 blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted to some extent we will experience comfort here but the full fledged overwhelming comfort of god will not be here people it will be in the new heavens and the new earth revelation 21:4 confirms this it says here god will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more in heaven now here you are mourning here you have afflictions 
But remember, the day comes when all your mourning will be turned into joy and you shall receive complete comfort of the Lord. This is the future fulfillment. It is not here to some extent. But once you are comforted, another affliction comes. <laughs> and once you get comforted, another affliction comes. The, the life on earth is hard. We have afflictions of the afflictions. We are promoted from one affliction to another affliction. Experiencing the comfort of God to some extent. But the great day is coming. When God will permanently remove all the afflictions and mournings. And we shall be fully, eternally comforted. That is what is Beatitudes. And I want to finish with this chapter 10 from Hebrews, from which I am preaching. When it says, is it the present enjoyment or future fulfillment? Hebrews 10, 36. For you, have no, for you have need of endurance. Believers, you need to cultivate endurance. You are too quick to escape. Afflictions, you are too quick to find shortcuts and ways where you are comfortable. It says that cultivate patience so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, what is promised in the context here? He says in chapter 9, verse 15, Therefore, he, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. What is the promise that you receive? The promise is eternal inheritance. In this world... You have to suffer. You have to face tribulations. In fact, Jesus said that in this world, in me you have peace, but in this world you have many tribulations, he says. Many tribulations. And this is the beloved Savior's honest words. You live in this world, you suffer. But the everlasting suffering is there in hell. Incomparable to the suffering here. But here in me, you will... You will be suffering and you will have joy. But the joy that you receive in the eternal inheritance is incomparable to the suffering that you face here. Did you hear what he says? The fire and the pain and the suffering in hell is incomparably greater than the suffering that you have here. And the joy and the peace and the overwhelming presence of God is so greater, incomparably greater in heaven that you cannot compare it with the afflictions here. So brothers and sisters, rejoice. This is a promise that God has given that no promise can come closer to this great promise of eternal inheritance. So once again, if there is anyone here who has not repented of your sins and believed in Jesus, there is no one who can save you from your sin. No one who can change you and give you this assurance except the Lord Jesus who died for your sins on the cross and rose from the dead. And those who believe in the Lord Jesus, please to cling on to the promises reasonably. Learn how to read and apply the promises of God carefully. And uh, these promises shall be a great blessing to you. And let us cling to these promises as we fight a good fight of faith in this short life on earth. Shall we all stand together and pray and seek the face of the Lord? Remember, brothers and sisters, the devil is always ready to show you to some promises and abuse them and discourage you later and pawn you with hopelessness and even question you to doubt the 
goodness and the faithfulness of God because you have misunderstood, misinterpreted the promises. Be careful. He attempted to do that with Jesus and you are not greater than Jesus. He can do that to you and me every day. Be careful how you read and apply the promises of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have given us your word and the wisdom to be protected from the crafty devil whom you have defeated on the cross. We are victorious over the enemy, but we are not free completely from the deceptions that he can bring into our lives because of our foolishness and ignorance of how we read and apply your word. Heavenly Father, please to give us your wisdom to read your word diligently and rightly apply the promises in our lives. And we thank you for the great and precious promises that we have in your word. And the greatest promise than any other promise that we have in the word is that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life to those in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, this eternal inheritance, eternal life is far incomparably, infinitely greater than anything that we experience in this world. And help us to have this hope and have this faith in you. That he who has promised is faithful and he will fulfill it. And we eagerly wait for the return of our Savior. That he may come soon and take us to be with him forever and ever. Lord, we are mourning in this world. We are crying in this world. We have pain in this world. And we pray that you remember your promise to send your son. So that you can eternally comfort us, O Lord. And we thank you for the suffering in this world because it reminds us that this is not our home. The earth is not heaven. It is full of sin and troubles. But the new heavens and the new earth is coming where there is no pain and there is no mourning, no death, no tears. And the Lord shall be with us and we shall be with him and we will reign with you and you will reign as the sovereign God on your throne forever and ever. And we thank you, Lord, for this glorious, unfading, unwavering hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. And if there is anyone here who is not saved, Lord, may they not be absorbed in these affairs of the world and perish in sin. May their eyes be open to see their sin, to see what Jesus had done for them on the cross for their sin. And that they would repent and believe in Christ so that they would receive this glorious hope, the hope of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for their salvation. We pray for the salvation of our family members. We pray for the salvation of our colleagues in the workplace. We pray for the salvation of our relatives and friends. We pray that they would receive this hope of eternal life through belief in Jesus Christ. Have mercy on them. Save them and give us your grace to reflect on the word. Keep reading your word and apply your promises and rejoice in your promises. Thank you for being a God of faithfulness. We give you all glory, honor and praise in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforouage.blogspot.com 
you may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Grace and peace be to you.